0: Hi friends, and welcome to The Spirit Scoop with Michelle. Michelle is just your typical grounded Taurus, Canadian loving girl who loves everything spiritual. Michelle's a spiritual medium, a Reiki master, and an angel reader. Get ready each week to dive into Michelle's own lived experiences, spiritual guidance and tips, awesome guests, and lots and lots of spirits, of course. Together we'll feel inspired, may learn something new, We'll learn to trust in spirit, and don't be surprised if you have a lot of OMG moments. So now's your time to grab a cup of tea, get comfortable, and we're about to start. Here's your host, Michelle Lindsay. Hello and welcome back to another new episode. I hope everybody is feeling better after the clips on the weekend. So that's over. So last week was pretty exciting. Thank you everybody for coming to my in-person sound bath. Thank you for your support. I think it went really great. I loved the location and from all of your feedback it sounds like you guys all loved the place as well. It was so nice to just have everybody in person and in that space and I could feel like the the energy of the room from just everyone being there. It was beautiful. And I think people really appreciated having a place to go to, right? And having like that time to just zone out and meditate and just, yeah, making time for yourself and your self-care. Stay tuned for any upcoming in-person sound baths. And then thank you guys for coming to Brie and i's online event, our new moon event on Saturday that just passed. We do have another one that's already scheduled, that's already booked. We have a full moon circle similar to what we just did with the new moon. And that takes place on October 28th, which is a Saturday at 5 p.m. PST time and 8 p.m. Eastern time. Something that I noticed that comes up for me during the fall season, which is right around now, is that I remembered last year, I was doing the same things as I felt called to this year. And then last year, I remember that I cut out caffeine around mid-October. And just a week ago, I my body was telling me to, to stop drinking coffee And I love my morning coffee. It's so like comforting. I have a routine. I walk my dog every morning. I go to the coffee shop, which is like three blocks away. They have the best coffee. And I grab my coffee and I walk back and it's like the best peaceful walk. He gets his nice peaceful walk. I get my coffee that's beautiful and hot and tasty. And I get to get outdoors and get grounded. And it's just beautiful. I've debated, like, you know, I could make my own coffee at the house and save money. It's $5 coffee. I kind of justified it. Like, it's only $5 a day. At least I'm not, like, going out for big meals five times a day. It's, like, just $5 a day. And that $5 a day makes me so happy. It makes my morning so then I kind of weighted out like the pros and cons. I was like, you know what? It is worth it for me, $5 a day. <laughs> so for me, it's like that routine, but my body was just, you know, when you have like one or two coffees and you don't really feel anything. But I think over time, I my body starts to feel like it's almost like a a buildup of like coffee every day. And I'll start to feel it maybe like two months later or a month later. I start to feel like my body is just like, oh, it doesn't feel normal. It feels like i um, not grounded. It feels like I'm not myself. It's weird. I don't know how to explain it. But I was like, okay, my body is telling me no more caffeine. So I started to break that trend. And I started, because I loved going to the coffee shop so much, I would just go get a decaf. But I did that only a couple times this week. I actually have been make- making my own cacao at the house which is a heart opener it's beautiful i feel wonderful when i drink cacao and it's also a superfood. like i'm starting to get back into yoga and uh, especially hot yoga and because my body has been so much in pain lately um i got into a car accident earlier this year it's just like a small fender bender but i really messed up my shoulders and my neck and it's just like really tight. And I remember a long time ago, my yoga teacher would always tell everybody, like, if you're in pain, come to yoga, come fix your body in yoga class. He's like, even if you just lay there the whole time in the heat, you know, it'll be helpful. And I remembered, I was like, oh, I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much pain. And then that kind of triggered my memory. I was like, go to yoga, go to yoga. So I started. I didn't went to two classes the other day, back to back. It felt so good, and just like. That he- the heat. I really, my body needed that heat to sweat, but it really needed to move and stretch as well. So it was kind of like a double whammy of what I really needed. But I tend to get more like active and more like specific in my goals in the fall season. I don't know if anybody else feels like that as well, but like, I feel more motivated to eat healthier. I feel more motivated to get enough sleep. I feel like, I want to change my body. I want to cut out caffeine. Like I'm not drinking alcohol. Like, But yeah, fall is my favorite season. So I am just like living my best life right now. I love the cold. I love the leaves on the ground. I love staying home. I'm a homebody. I got some new plants for the house because I'm going to be spending more time in the house. And just like working on making my house more cozy. I got some twinkle lights more in the bedroom so it's like covering the whole the whole perimeter of my bedroom on the ceiling it's so pretty I I love a good like twinkle light and I love like nice like lamps on the ground I love I think it's something to do with like lights I love lights but like not like those lights not the lights that overhang in the middle of the room it's like accent lights it's fun to play around with them all right. So today I am talking to Sean Leonard. He is a well-known medium. A bunch of us girls, I think there was like six six of us, six or seven of us who saw him. He was doing a mediumship demonstration back earlier this year. And a bunch of us mediums, we all um we went to grab food before and then we all went to the event after. And we were just blown away. It was my first time actually even seeing him work. And he was such a nice guy. He was funny. He was such a good personality. I really, really, we really liked him. And his readings were so spot on. Like the way that he got names, like he'd be like, okay, Joe is here. But his, you didn't call him Joe. You called him Blah, 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 like a nickname. And he would get the right name and he would get the nickname. Like he was like the names medium. Like, and that's like, we're like, oh my gosh. Like there was never any confusion. Like, you know how sometimes it'd be like a group event and a couple of people put their hands up. And you know, it's like, oh, it could be for me. Or one person's like, oh, I could take two of those things that you said out of out of five. I could understand two of the pieces that you said, but not the others, not the other evidence. Oh, and the other person would be like, you know, I think it's my grandma also. There was no no confusion. There was none of that. Anytime he brought through his spirit. Only one person would put their hand up because he was so specific. There was no confusion at all. And it was so interesting. So there was like seven of us and we were all sitting beside each other. What we noticed was everybody who was getting readings that night was around where we were sitting. Like the people in front of us got readings. The people directly behind us got readings. Like the whole half of the room where we were sitting were like the people that got read. But none of us mediums got read. And we just thought that was so funny. We're like, wow, did like, are we building the energy in this room for like people to get read? Like we didn't know what it was. It was so interesting of how like, I would say like 80% of the readings were like where we were sitting on our half of the room um, and like 20% on the other side. I loved getting to know him in this episode. He is the kindest soul we have so much in common. I got emotional actually, which I did not expect. And I don't know where it came from. Well, I do know where it came from, but it just, as it came in, it kind of hit me out of nowhere. And my mom did come through with a few messages through Sean today, which I'm so grateful to receive. I love how he, how he shares his stories. He has a lot of wonderful stories. A lot that just touched my heart, honestly. Um, And also like a funny one, a funny story of how Spirit came through later with like a joke. And it was just blew everybody's mind. Get ready. This episode is, I love it. And I, I know I probably say that with every episode, but like this one is special, guys. This one is special. Today I have Sean Leonard here. He is a heart-centered Indigenous spirit talker, psychic medium from Nova Scotia, Canada. He's been working in this profession for over 20 years. You might know him as the host of a PTN TV show called Spirit Talker. He's also an author to the book Spirit Talker and the Language of Spirit. You also might recognize him from his tours that he does across Canada for his mediumship demonstrations which I was so lucky to attend earlier this year in Surrey, B.C.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I mean, funny thing is, is when I was in Surrey, I thought it was in Vancouver. Apparently, it's it's not in the same area because it was at the Vancouver Hotel or something. I just assumed it was still Vancouver. But that's what I know. That's how much I know about uh, the West is, you know, not very little in regards to uh, geography. <laughs>
0: yeah, that may, I know. It doesn't make sense sometimes. I figured it was in Vancouver too. And then once I Googled it, I'm like, oh, it's actually in Surrey. Yeah.
1: Everybody yeah. told me, you're in Surrey. You're not in Vancouver. <laughs>
0: you're like close enough, like 45 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been like downtown Vancouver?
1: I have been downtown Vancouver. I haven't been there in a long time. Where was I? I actually, I mean, maybe I was and just don't know it. I was, there was like, I, I was in an area filming season four. spirit talker and it was with the indigenous community there and we were on the water and there was a couple bridges and it wasn't far from that uh, famous trail the capilano trail oh yeah okay so i don't know if that was downtown or not it may have been it may not have been
0: okay close yeah i would consider that vancouver for sure i know you're from nova scotia were you born and raised in nova scotia
1: i i am born and raised in nova scotia yes and i and i once again live here now but i lived in calgary for like 18 years or something like this. And then probably about 12 years ago, I moved back home.
0: I'm actually, I was born in Nova Scotia as well. Oh no so, way. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny synchronicity, but I moved when I was a baby and I haven't been back. So I would love to do a trip out there just to see where I'm from and see what it's like. But anytime I tell people I was born in Nova Scotia, they have nothing bad to say. They're like, the people there are wonderful. They're so nice. And just, yeah, I definitely want to go back.
1: Oh, good. Yes. So, what, where, where in Nova Scotia? Where you from? Do you know?
0: I know that um, the Halifax area.
1: Okay, so we're not too far away from where I am now.
0: I love to hear people's like stories of like how it all started. Like, take me back to your first that first moment where you were just like, "Holy cow!" Like your first moment, your first interaction with spirit. I know you did share a little bit about your story um, in the demonstration, but I would love to hear it again. And I would love for the listeners to kind of get to know you a little bit and see where it all started.
1: Well, I mean, I think we're all on a journey through life and, you know, there's different things that lead us in different ways. And obviously, I'm, I'm, you know, following my purpose and who I am and what I'm doing, but it's been kind of unfolding my whole life. Um, I mean, there's so many experiences that I've had that led me to this space, and, and that's why I wrote uh Spirit Talk of the Book. There's just so many, and uh, even there's some that I didn't put in there, of course. But uh, my first encounter that I would know was a spiritual encounter for, in my life was when I was probably about four or five years old, and I remember pretty vividly because it was it startled me, and um, when I was young. Um, my great-grandparents, who I loved dearly and spent you know time with, and I, I remember them, um, they unfortunately made their journey home to the spirit world. And it was around that age that they started to visit me. And uh, But I didn't, you know, it was a little bit different because there was like people who were like shadows or silhouettes of people. There's almost light behind them, but I could see the shadows of people standing in my room very early in the morning, like three or four o'clock in the morning. And I could hear them chit-chatting, like very low whispers of talking to each other. But I recognized them as my great grandparents. And uh, it was Agnes and Richard Stewart. And um, anyway, I usually just pretended that I couldn't hear them or I didn't know they were there. And, you know, I did tell my mom about it. And she said, well, you know, they're only coming because they love you you know they they're visiting you because they you know they obviously miss you and they want to spend time with you. i am like, well, that's fine. But then they kept happening. And and then I started getting a little bit more scared because, you know, again, I was just a little boy. And I and I then I then my mom brought uh bought nightlights. And we'd have like three of them in the room and I I would go to sleep knowing that if I had the nightlights going that I could, you know, I would not usually see them. For whatever reason, my nightlights kept, uh, kept the, the vivid experiences. But I remember one night, particularly one very early morning waking up and hearing people chit-chatting again. And when I woke up, I could see the silhouettes, uh, of my great grandparents in the room and, but my night lights were out. I was like, Oh God, my mom come and turn them off. Like, why would you need to turn off my night lights? And, uh, so I just kind of like, Pretended I was asleep, again, like how I used to kind of deal with it. And then I could hear them moving around. And then one of the people, uh, which I'm assuming is my great-grandma, walked up to me and ran her fingers through my hair. And it scared the bejeebus out of me. Like, I literally jumped. I pulled the sheets down. I'm like, okay. And I was thinking in my head, please be mom. Please be mom. Please be mom. <laughs> and I looked, and there was no one in the room. It was just me. And I was like, oh, my God. I did a backflip off the bed and it was in my mom's bedroom and I was crying. And I remember saying, mom, I don't care how much they love me. You know, they can't keep, they can't keep visiting like this. So she brought me into the room and we had a little conversation just saying, Hey, you know, Nam pop, um, you know, I love you, but you know, you're scaring me. You, you need to stop visiting me like this. And that was the end. That was the end of those visitations. Now, mind you, I'm sure they still visit sometimes. I've never experienced it that way ever again, even to today. And I'm like 51 now, for God's sakes. But I know that they still are around me. They're my ancestors. They love me and unconditionally. And so that would be my first experience with spirit. Okay. And uh, and there was so many other things that happened after that, but it was that was when I realized that we we existed um beyond this world in, in a different form and an energetic spiritual form. But I I mean I would have about my, my real life as a as a normal boy would. But that was like it was an amazing experience. And I kind of regret maybe telling them to go away. But uh, you know, maybe when you're four, like five years old, you kind of need to have that, you know, that not feeling like you're have people in your room all the time experience. But yeah, that was my first experience.
0: It sounds like you learned boundaries with spirit really young.
1: <laughs> so- I did.
0: Okay, I'm so curious because I have kind of a similar experience as well. And like learning that you can actually tell them no, right? Because at first it's a very common thing for we're not we're not used to it. It freaks us out. Um right. I'm curious how many years after that experience because you said you don't see them that same way now. Like when was was there a big gap in between like your next um, experience with spirit?
1: Well, probably my next experience um, that I spoke of my book, uh, Spirit Talker, was um, which I was kind of like at around seven, eight into 10 years old range, I started to have what what I would call out of body experiences, but it would happen when I was dreaming. And usually between, let's say, you know, the seven to 10 year range, I could like it will go to bed and jump out of my body when I was sleeping and literally go around the neighborhood. And cause I, all I wanted to do, I mean, you're a little boy, you just want to play. Mm-hmm. So I was mm-hmm. out playing, doing things, but there was no one ever around. It was just me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember at some point that there was a little boy down the hill that had passed away. His, his name was David. And he unfortunately had leukemia. He was, a, I played with, him. my mom would bring me down to play with him. And uh, I didn't understand this concept of like death. Right. So, and I mean, other than my great grandparents passing away, which, you know, when you're young, you still don't understand it, but this is now, I lost a friend. My mom used to bring me to this little boy to play with him. I knew he was sick. And um, so after he died, because I had these out of body experiences where I could go to sleep and I astral travel. Mm-hmm. you know, to different locations. And it wasn't very far. It was always in my neighborhood. And I typically would float over the telephone poles. And eventually, as I got older, I couldn't even do it anymore. I'd be like flapping my arms, <laughs> hoping to fly again. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I could never do it. And it was a very vivid experience. It was always like a really kind of reddish, dusky sky, I remember, that was never even dark when it was dark. So I told my mom, I said, listen, mom, I'm going to go visit David tonight because if he's in the spirit world, I know how to enter the spirit world. So I went down, um, went to sleep at will, went to his house, went through the whole house, and it was empty. I didn't see any furniture. didn't see any people. I didn't see him. I didn't see nothing. Mm -hmm. And then I woke up and I told my mom, I said, I'm so puzzled because why, you know, I I mean, I'm obviously, you know, astral traveling, flying in in my dreams. I'm able to do this at will, but I don't understand why he wasn't there. And my mom said, Well, you know, Sean, you know, there's other places we go, there's higher levels of energy. I mean, uh, my mom would say, I mean, in her belief system, because she was raised Catholic, she'd say, Well, there's heaven. Mm-hmm. I said, Well, I didn't understand the concept of heaven. Mm-hmm. And um, she says, That's where David has gone. He won't, you won't find him then. And I'm like, Okay, well, this is like mind-boggling to me because I assume that's all spirit would be in this space and place. And um, so that was like my Then beginning to understand the different levels of energy of the spirit world itself. And I'd run into uh, once I'd ran into another spirit in this place and she was very dated in time because as I astral traveled, I remember uh, as I'd get out flying around the neighborhood, I was in my front yard again, the dusky red sky. And this woman is floating over the telephone poles with a like a, an old umbrella, wearing a Victorian dress, a Victorian hat. And she looked very dated, like probably from the mid-1800s. And I was like, she's the first person I've ever seen in the astral world. I was like, oh, my God. Hey, ma'am, excuse me. I mean, you know, can you see me? And And she looked at me, and she stuck up her nose, and she just kept on going. And then I woke up. And I told my mom that I met this lady. She kind of looked like Mary Poppins a little bit. And I said, I saw this lady when I was dreaming. And she says, well, Sean, there's sometimes earthbound spirits that are in that space Mm -hmm. of the Mm -hmm. astral world. And I was like, okay, so now there's different places. There's people that have not transcended, you know, their ego, uh, Mm -hmm. that persona of whoever they were. And then there's people that transcend that, that have died, that have moved on into a higher dimensional energy or light, whatever, you know, and I was learning like, again, right from a very young age, the different uh, levels of energy. And and it was like spirit was teaching me in some way. I didn't know it was happening, but it was all happening. It wasn't until much, much later in life that after losing my father, I was 16 years old, that... Uh, You know, unfortunately, my father passed away in the driveway. He had a massive heart attack at 42 years old. He was in the Navy. And I remember the morning. It's not that far away from now. Actually, it's only four days from now because today's October 12th. And the anniversary of my father's passing would be October 16th coming. And he passed in 1987. So I don't even know the math. This is probably like, what, 35 years ago? Probably about 35 years ago or something like this. And so. It's a 2020, maybe 36 years ago. But I remember the morning that my dad passed away. My mom had come and woke me up and she said, Sean, there's something wrong with your father. He's out on the driveway. You have to go help him. So I, at 15 years old, jump out of bed, spring into action, like half awake, half asleep. It's cold. I mean, back when I was young, it was cold out at five o'clock in the morning. I went outside on October 16th. You could see your breath because it was so cold. I was out just literally in in, in my underwear and a shirt trying to find my my father whose truck that he just bought was running. And I could see the exhaust coming out. I could see my breath. It was kind of dark, a little bit of one light on the house. And I walked around the whole truck looking for my father. And I couldn't find him. I thought, this is so odd. Where the hell is my father? My mom must be just dreaming or she just thinks that she saw my dad. Maybe my dad got up and went somewhere. So I go inside, tell my mom, and my mom says, No, he's out there. Go look again. I go out and look, walk around the whole freaking truck. No father. I said, So weird. So I, said, Mom, are you sure? She comes and then grabs me. She's trying to call 911, takes me out to the truck. And literally in front of the truck, right beside the door, was my father laying face down on the gravel. You know, my mom went back inside, but I couldn't see him till then. And I think, you know, I think about that today. Like, how is it that he was invisible to me? And I have two thoughts. I mean, one, probably very logical thinking in this way that, you know, 15 years old, I've never really experienced watching anybody die. Maybe I'm in shock and not psychologically prepared to actually see somebody that has died, especially your father, right? The other aspect that I have, which is probably more tangible, is that my father was meant to go home. And I wasn't meant to see him right away. And, and, and things, time and space were altered in some way so that I could do, I, I wouldn't find him until like moments later, you know, after my mom took him up, took me out there after the third time walking around the truck and God knows how long he's been out there, maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And I feel like I rolled him over, started CPR, tried to resuscitate my father and, you know, my father, I could tell. And I mean, if anybody's lost anybody, you, you know, when somebody's gone. I could feel his spirit around. I even started talking to him and yelling and screaming and cursing and said, listen, dad, get back in your freaking body. Like, I know that you're here and I know that you can hear me. Get back in there. But in my heart, I knew that this wasn't going to happen. So I had to kind of let it go. And I just kept performing CPR. Some neighbors had come down and, um, you know, and and, then the ambulance showed up like a half hour later. It just, my father was gone. And my first real connection with a higher level of energy was with my father. It was a year later after he passed, I was 16 years old. And I typically wasn't a great child. Like, I mean, I was like every other teenage boy trying to get by and do well. I I'd struggled for that year I'd failed to grade a school and I'd sneak out and smoke weed with my friends and stuff. So I was like, You know, I was just trying to find some balance in life, which really wasn't balanced. So I slept on the couch of my mom's basement living room, you know, on the couch. And the reason why I would sleep down there is I told mama I was always watching TV or whatever. But I would sneak out the window and come back like at two o'clock in the morning because I was out smoking weed with my buddies. But uh, so I went out and hung out with my buddies. I don't think I smoked weed that night. I'm pretty sure I didn't actually. But when I came back, I I went to sleep on the couch. I stayed there, you know, to kind of like, so my mom wouldn't know I was gone. And I woke up about three, three three-ish. Again, very similar to my early childhood experiences of like stepping out of my body into the astral world. Now, mind you, I'm much older. I'm like 16 now. And I stood up and I could see myself sleeping on the couch. I'm like, oh my God, I'm having these experiences again. But then, when I looked at the back room, I saw an, an orb of light, probably the size uh, of my fist or maybe a little bit bigger, round, very just vibrantly in just amazingly pure white light. And I saw this light and I was like, oh my God, what's, you know, I didn't know what was happening. And then the light like, grew larger and larger and larger and larger. And I thought, well, for a minute, I might be dying. That's what I thought. Okay, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm transitioning to a different high level energy, right? But then, when the the light got to about the size of a person, my dad walks out of it, mm-hmm. and I was shocked. I went, you know, I was really excited. I was like, "Oh my god, Dad, you're alive!" And I saw my dad. My dad, and, and then I, it quickly switched to anger because I was mad that he died. And then I didn't know what was happening. Was he coming to bring me home or what was happening? And my dad was wearing a long white robe. I thought, what what the hell are you wearing, dad? Like my dad was like a hunter, fisher, drank. And, you know, he was in the Navy. He was a guy who worked at Legion sometimes. He's never going to be caught literally dead wearing a long white robe. I'm like, what the hell? You know, it's a kind of shock that he would actually wear it. He says, don't worry. We all, most of us wear stuff like this. I'm like, okay, this is weird, but. And he goes, I know you're angry, but you need to calm down. I'm like, okay, I have a few messages for you. But in one of the messages is make sure you tell your mom that I'm okay. I'm like, I'll tell her. He says, you need to tell your brother that I'm okay too, that I made it, that I'm in the light, that I'm at home. I'm like, okay, I'll tell them. He says, no, you have to remember to promise me you'll do this. I'm like, I promise. And all I could think about as my dad spoke to me, was this light that was behind him. And when I saw it, not only did I see it, I felt it. It was like a part of me. It was like when I saw it and felt the light behind my father, all I can describe it as, as home. As, oh my God, that is home. That's where I have come from. This is where we all come from. This is where we will return to. And I'm going home. And my dad saw that I wanted to move into the light. And he said, nope, you're not coming in here. I'm like, well, I just want to go check it out, right? I, I mean, who wouldn't want to move into the light for a minute to see the other side? He says, no, 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 you can't come here, Sean. He says, if you come here, you're not going to want to come back. I'm like, I'll come back. And I knew I was freaking lying because I was like, there's no way. Because I knew that if I could get in there, that you no know, matter whatever my life was, it didn't matter. You know, yeah. there was no, this was our true, this is like way before the matrix. I'm thinking like, this is reality. I just took the blue pillar, whatever it is, and I'm, I'm going home and this is like some fake reality. And I don't want to stay in this fake reality.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, and he says, no, you can't come. And then he showed me two things. He showed me what it would look like for my mom. If I went. And I got to feel all of her grief, her pain, her hurt, and she would struggle so much after losing my father and and then losing me as well. she would go she'd already been struggling with very heavy grief for a year, and it would be another seven almost eight years before she would start to kind of move out of this heavy grief if I was to go home and then he showed me what it would look like for my brother. Now, my brother, you know, mind you, who is very young, he would get over me fairly quickly, but I thought, well, you know, and in my head, I'm rationalizing it, what he just showed me. And I say, well, no matter what happens to mom, she'll get through it. Seven years is not that long. She'll be fine. You know, and my dad says, no. He says, you have a purpose here. And he said, long before you and me were born, we made a plan. We made a contract that I would leave your life But I was always the one to leave your life and show you the spirit world, the higher level energy, the other side. I'm like, why would we make such a stupid plan? Isn't there some other way that we could find, like you'd show me the light instead of you dying? He said, no. He says, that was the plan. He says, Sean, the greatest gift of love that I could ever give you was to leave your life. It was the ultimate sacrifice to show you who you are, where we come from. And he says, one day you don't know this yet, but you're going to be helping people. You're going to help people know who we are, where we come from, and our purposes, and help them remember that connection. And I thought, this sounds like gibberish. Sounds like Yoda from Star Wars or something. And it's just, just gibberish. And I'm like, okay, let's. I was still trying to move into the light anyway. I was like, even though we're my dad and my dad got in my way, and he goes, no, touch me in my forehead. And I woke up on the couch. And I remember getting up and looking at the space from which I just had this, like, most amazing visitation. And it was like, I was back in the physical world. And I was so close to that space of the other side or the spirit world, that higher level dimensional energy. my first experience seeing it, touching it, feeling it. And it moved me enormously. And he's always told me, one of the things he did say is, remember that light. And I remember it. I've never forgotten it. It's part of me. It is in part of everything. There's no place that that light is not. You know, again, at that point, I've had this most amazing experience, even though what my dad said, I never thought, oh, I'm going to be a psychic medium, or I'm going to write a book, I'm going to do a TV show. Never had no plans at all. My biggest plan in life was, well, getting a job, maybe finding a girlfriend. And, you know, that's all I pretty much focused on. But you know, life had unfolded in a way later as I got married and had a few children. Uh, my oldest daughter now is uh, 28 years old, uh, Mackenzie, who lives in Calgary, Alberta, and is now a psychologist or therapist. And it was around the time that she was born that I started to start to step into a more spiritual path in my life. Started to pray, speak with spirit, learn a little bit about my culture. But, you know, mostly just it was a personal experience because I was separated from my people because I lived in Calgary. I was like in Alberta and, you know, the Mi'kmaq people are in the east and I never had that connection. So I started to look online and read and learn as much as I could, learn about meditation and and prayer. and, And that's what really activated this like this next step of me understanding how spirit communicates to us.
0: Thank you for sharing your story. I, I even felt emotional just like listening to it. Um but yeah, like full on goosebumps. I also know the feeling of like losing a parent too. And it, I see like kind of a similar story with us as well. Um so I think that's why I kind of like hit home a little bit. Mhm. One second.
1: <laughs> that's okay. Take your time. I mean, it's you know, I'm I trust me, I'm like one of the most emotional guys you'll ever meet in the whole world. The freak I I'm doing sessions sometimes and I'm freaking crying. <laughs> it's because when you connect to that energy, you can feel that love. You can feel that connection. Right. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very intense and we're all human and um, you know, we feel things on a different, deeper level. And uh, that's just a, it's a, it's, it's not a curse. It's a gift. It's a blessing to be this way because you're meant to serve people and help people because of that emotional connection that you have to your ancestors, the people you care about and people in general. And uh, that doesn't mean that you don't uh, have good boundaries. It doesn't mean that you don't have, you only uh, hopefully allow healthy, it's, you know, people in your inner circle, but that doesn't mean you can't help people in your outer circle and, uh, you know, serve them with your light, your, you know, emotional, you know, spiritual connection for sure. So you're obviously who you're meant to be. And serving people the way you're meant to serve them.
0: Yeah. No, I'm usually not super emotional, but, like, certain things hit differently. But
1: uh, yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. No, I have a similar story. Yeah. I lost my mom.
1: I'm uh, sorry. It's not been that long ago?
0: No, it's it's been a long time, actually. I seen her in spirit, and I feel like she's the reason, like, she had to pass for me to like take this journey. Um, yeah. I know it was all planned before too. Of um, course it was. Yeah. So and what I,
1: happened three years ago then?
0: Three years ago?
1: Yeah, because she, I mean, if this is your mom, I know your mom's telling me something. So she must be telling me about three years ago, a shift or your your, uh, I'm going to call it your awakening in a sense that you like really stepped maybe more into this.
0: Yeah, I would say, I guess I started developing more mediumship three years ago, like started working with teachers and all that. Yeah. She's a big
1: part of that. I, I know that, you know, that mm-hmm. You know, just equally as my father, you know, still shows up in my life from time to time and reminds me that he's still around. I know that your mom is, is very much with you.
0: Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Um, But it's interesting. Cause like, I also had experience with the light. Like I had a near death experience where I had the choice to stay or go yeah. And they showed me like how every how it would impact everybody else's life if I right. left, and I was like mm. so I decided to stay so that's so interesting of like the same well, I did
1: the opposite I was like okay they'll be fine anyway I can go <laughs> <laughs> um and they said no you're not going <laughs> but if um, you're meant to, you're meant to be here you're meant to be here I think uh the choice I mean ultimately if you knew um everything, because they can't show you everything. Like they can only show you an aspect of, you know, why things happen and how you would impact life, but they can't show all the lives that you would impact or, you know, you would know your whole life and you're not meant to, it's meant to unfold. You're Hmm. meant to experience that unfoldment as you go through it. And, and, uh, but I mean, you have a purpose, you definitely have a purpose. And there is, you know, the greatest gift of love that most people can give us is to sometimes leave our lives even though that might not be something that we would ever want or wish for because we they know and we know before we ever sign up for this crazy shit that we're going to say hey no matter what happens we're going to be back together again eventually so even if it feels like that we're apart we're not and in the end we won't be apart (laughs) so it's okay if i just step away for a little bit because life is fast life is fast it's precious it's it's I mean, I'm always living in the moment. I enjoy where I am, but I can't believe I'm freaking fifty, freaking one years old already. Just the other day, I was freaking twenty eight, and uh, I had like an eight pack. I was running like the wind, and then, <laughs> and then life, uh, you know, sends you into these different, you know, paths of life. Uh, you know, different things happen.
0: I couldn't help to laugh. Um, I remember you saying this in the group demonstration where yeah. this, where you would astral travel and like literally start flapping your wings because I, I did i did that too like there's so many <laughs> similarities and like and it worked for me like in the dream i would like i'd want to fly yeah. and found like i had so much fun like at, in my dreams so as i would flap my hands it actually helped raise me up to different levels so really i worked. did
1: that too but eventually as i got older it was like i couldn't
0: i can't i can only get
1: like a few feet off the ground I, like back down like what the hell is going on <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like I keep wanting to get back to like how I used to dream and astral travel and I, I can't do it as an adult. I don't know why. <laughs> yes.
1: I think we become because we become more energetically accustomed to being in the physical world. We become more physical beings. So the our consciousness interferes like with gravity because, I mean, in spirit world, there is no such thing as gravity. I mean, look out in space where there is no thing and, you know, and everything. Mm-hmm. There is no gravity. It doesn't exist. But it's in our construct of the the one thing, of the Earth itself, that and they, it, it, we become accustomed. And it's almost like a limiting belief in some sense. We've brainwashed ourselves to thinking that this is reality. And it isn't.
0: Yeah. A lot of people are excited about this episode, including myself. But you're very well known as like a names medium.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's like, I find with a lot of developing mediums, like people, that's what people really are trying to get as like evidence because it, it can validate it like right away, who it is that we're speaking right. to. So there's no confusion. Did you develop the names so clearly before or after you worked at Canada Post?
1: No, it was before actually Canada Post. It was before Canada Post that kind of started because I used to work at another company called Hayworth. It was a Smed International and then became Hayworth. It was an office furniture company. And the first time I started to hear, like very good like here, was um, when I was working at this office furniture company. I remember the first experience was with um, a guy named Achari in the spirit world. He was a Fijian fellow, but he, everybody nicknamed him Charlie. And it was, I was sitting beside uh, my buddy Oran that I worked with, who is a, a Bosnian guy and nice guy living in Calgary still. That I started to hear a name repeatedly in my mind go, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. And I'm like, I don't know who the hell this Charlie guy is. But, and then what I thought was, well, Oran's got to be doing with something with a guy named Charlie, and he's thinking about it. That's, that's what I chalked it up to. I didn't know what was happening to tell you the truth. And then when I asked him, he says, oh, "Well, I used to know a guy named Charlie." Of course, he used to know a guy named Charlie. <laughs> and then, boom! as Soon as I I made the connection, it was like I had a vision in my mind, um, like a and it was like a memory that I shouldn't be thinking about in the moment. It was visual. It was first the 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 It was the first the voice, and he didn't sound fusion. It was just a voice that said Charlie, 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 and I was like. Okay, who the hell's wrong? As soon as he made the connection to who it was, that's when the image popped in my head clairvoyantly. And it was a bar sign in Calgary called the Town and Country Bar. And they have a sign there, it's just a big T and C. Mm-hmm. And it's very high up in the sky, like not high, high, but high up. It's on a big post near the building. And well, as soon as he said, I used to know a guy named Charlie, it was like, blink for like maybe a second in my mind that I saw this bar sign. Mm-hmm. And I go, that's so weird. I just saw the Town of Country bar sign. He goes, what did you say? Mm-hmm. I, said, I, I said, I just saw the Town of Country bar sign. He goes, that's the last place Charlie was seen alive. Wow. I'm like, what? And then I started to see other things. I started to see a house and there was an outside entrance to a basement. There was like four shadow people and he was walking down. I felt these shadow people following him into the basement. And that was all I saw. And then I was like, I mean, do you know anything about this? He's like, Nope. I'm like, are you sure? Cause I'm, I mean, as vivid as all these other things come, how do you not know this part? Mm-hmm. Because it was as vivid as hearing the name or seeing the bar sign and he didn't know. And then he got really mad and, and said, you know, who told you to do this? Who put you up to this? I'm like, nobody, man. I'm like, I don't even know what the freak is happening. Anyway, he, he said he didn't know. And he wasn't even in the country when the guy died. He said he was in Bosnia when it happened. He heard about it, though. Because I said, how did you even know this guy? He goes, well, I worked with him at the airport like seven years ago. I'm like, Orion, I, I mean, I didn't even know you worked at the airport seven years ago, let alone work with a guy named Achari, named Charlie. <laughs> you know, how was I supposed to put all that together? That's not even possible. Yeah. It's just not feasibly possible. Like, I, And he goes, I don't know. And he says, but you, this is not nice. Because I freaked out a little bit and bejeebus out of him. <laughs> and then several weeks had gone by. And it, this was like a pivotal moment for me. Because that's when I learned how spirit communicates. Right. And it wasn't just seeing. It wasn't just feeling. It was hearing, seeing, feeling, almost a sense of knowing all together at once in different little aspects of information. And uh, so I I pick up the Calgary Sun paper and I'm reading through it, looking for the sports scores because I'm not looking for anything but sports scores. And I'm flipping through and there's a story in there about an unsolved murder of a guy named Achari. And I start reading it and it was, you know, he was last seen at the town of country bar where he was found murdered was at this house. And, you know, not far from the bar, and uh, he lived in a downstairs basement apartment that was in the back of the house. And there was a little latch, like arched roof there that he could go in and down the stairs to get to it. And that's where he was found murdered. Gosh. So Warren comes in, and I put the paper down in front of him, and I said, "Listen, read this." He reads it. He goes, "I said, do you remember that conversation we had, like, you know, a month or so ago?" No, I'm like. Baloney, I know you do. I said, uh, now be honest. You see this part about the house and what I discussed? You remember me telling you he goes, yes, I do. Did you know this? No. Are you sure you didn't know this? Because I was like analytical for a moment. Mm -hmm. And my analytical uh, uh, thinking got the better of me thinking that somehow I was still mind reading somehow. That he was thinking about Charlie, even though he said he wasn't. And that uh he knew about the spares thing and he wasn't being honest. Right. So I said, You have to be honest with me. Could you swear on your wife's life, your kids' life, everybody's life? I need to know without a doubt. He got really pissed off and he said, Listen, man, I swear I can never swear uh on my kids' life, but I'll definitely swear on my wife's, my own, my family's. He says, But I did not know this. He says, Are you gonna leave me the hell alone? I'm like, Absolutely. He says, Why is this so important? I said, Orange you know, this is a really big step for me in, in all of this. But if you don't know this part, it came to me. Yeah. And it came, and I'm going to say it felt like it came from someone mm-hmm. and a spirit. And it felt like it come from your friend, Charlie. And he was telling me the story and he knew that I could be receptive of enough. And I even know when it happened, how it happened. I was typing away in my computer and I was kind of like in a, meditative state, because I've been working at meditation, I've been working at mindfulness and presence. And I've been training my mind through clairvoyant impressions to, you know, make connections to my guides or, or do guided meditations down a path to meet your guide and stuff. So I was really working on the visual part of my mind seeing without using my eyes. So because I was doing that work, in relation to mindfulness, I was in mindful headspace, open open because you have to be to receive information from spirit you have to be somewhat kind of like mindful despite and it could be like and i've done this driving i've done this typing on the computer you're in a semi-meditative state you're doing something but you're kind of like still you're very present your mind's not in a trillion places at once right you're just driving home Mm -hmm. you're just typing And then something pops in your head, right? And I think it's in those moments, I call it getting in the gap a bit, where where you you put your mind into a space to receive from spirit. And it was almost like unconsciously had happened to me that I never planned or never thought, okay, this is how this works. It just started to happen. And it was a mind-altering, life-altering moment because I was like, in that moment, I knew exactly how spirit can and does communicate wow I was like, oh my god this is what all these psychics and the meetings have been doing for years mm-hmm. i know how this works i know there's a i used to, i called it a language of sorts but it's not necessarily a language but it's a way of communication right uh, it's a way to communicate to people like us and it's not uh our external senses It's more of our internal senses and uh and when you can get into the headspace, and then visual things, audible things, senses come in, then it it just unfolds. And it's not like I know everything. Nobody knows everything. It's a, that's a ridiculous thing to even think. It's like you get little—I call it little drops, like or, or little breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you know how you're, you're you're following a little path, and somebody leaves you a breadcrumb, and that's the sign. And then there's another little breadcrumb. Oh, okay. Um, you know, he was at this house, there's another breadcrumb and then there's another breadcrumb. It's like little pieces of a puzzle that you're putting together. But once you validate one piece of the puzzle, the next one comes. And then after you put all the pieces together, you're like, oh, I know where this is going. I know what this is. I know what the message is. I know what's being explained to me. As a medium, a person who is like, literally medium means the middle person, right? You're. The, I like to say I'm a translator. I'm a translator for spirit and how spirit can and does communicate. Sometimes very not as often as what many many people think that especially when they watch me they think it's all hearing things. Uh it that sometimes just opens the energy to make the connection to someone. But it's all the other stuff that comes through that I find much greater than just hearing a name sometimes (laughs) to me, to the other person. It's like, Oh my God, I can't believe he said my mom's name, my (laughs) grandma's name, my Aunt Bessie Sue. He he knows my whole family for God's sakes. Uh, (laughs) That's amazing. But you know, they're just names. Mm -hmm. It's the validation of things that no one could possibly know that only you know, (laughs) that to me takes it from this, you know, just names to tangible uh, experiences that your people are with you, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I just did an event in Newfoundland. I, I, I don't, I, I know there was a really good reading that I did your way, but I can't remember it. It might have been with a girl that was pregnant or something like this. I think it was in Surrey that I came out and said that some girl was pregnant, and she was.
0: Oh, uh, and I remember they were all good readings, but like yeah. something specifically that I remember was like the lady that had the new shoes that for, she had them for like eight months underneath her bed. And you're like, you should wear the new shoes or something. I don't know if you remember that. I don't
1: remember, but I, I mean, I, <laughs> things like that come out all the time. Like, cause I mean, and they would show me something with the new shoes that are under your bed. that You haven't worn in the last eight months.
0: Yeah. Like they were still and new.
1: Nobody were- knows that <laughs> except that person. And yeah. you know, sports looking for something so unique and abstract that it wouldn't relate to anyone, but that person. Mm-hmm. And, and I have a story where I was in Newfoundland that I can remember because it just, unfortunately, my mind doesn't retain everything. Um, as you get older, it gets worse. Just so you know, I'm always in the moment. That's what I say. But in Newfoundland, I connected to a girl there and I and I connected to her father who was in the spirit world. And he played guitar, I believe, and he ha- and he loved his dogs and he showed me he was with his dogs. I think he named one of his dogs for God's sakes. And then he showed me something very kind of abstract and unique. He took me outside and he showed me an old boot. And it had a bunch of holes in it. And I was like, why the hell are you showing me this old boot with holes in it? And it's an old rubber boot. Mm. And I'm like, I have no idea what the hell this means, but I know he must know that you know what this means. I said, do you, and, and then I prefaced it this way because I'm trying to understand what he's telling me. Do you have an old boot of your dad's? Because mm-hmm. he's telling me it's connected to him. No, no, I don't have any old boots of my dad. I'm like, I like you sure because I'm sure. And I keep describing what I see. And, and then he took the old boot and he put a plant in it. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Now he's going a little bit further in, in the breadcrumb. Mm-hmm. He's showing me a little bit more, more of the image to to go there. And he said, He just took this and he says it's a boot that is in the garden that you planted something in. And he's emphasizing what's planted in top or the plant that you put in the boot. And, go, and then she started to cry. She goes, on Father's Day, I picked up this old boot that had a bunch of holes in it and I put it in my garden. Mm-hmm. And when I planted, I was thinking about my dad because it, it was Father's Day. And because my dad loved dogs, as I talked about him, I took a little porcelain dog and put it in the middle of the plant as I talked to my dad. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I said, I mean, obviously, this is it. I mean, I'm talking to your father. He's telling me about the old boot in the garden of the plant that you put in. It's got all the holes in it. He didn't show me the dog, but he did talk about dogs. Mm. But why would he show me that? Yeah, it is, it's, not, it's not like it, it, it's a message to say, hey, when you think of me, when you thought of me on Father's Day, mm-hmm. I was there. I was with you. Mm-hmm. I remember, and I want you to know that I saw that you had done this for me, and you thought of me when you did it. What a greater message to help that woman know? Hey, my dad's with me. He knows what I'm thinking, but he knows what I'm talking to him. That's the greatest gift that comes through. It's it's amazing that I was able to validate that, and but it was very know. distinct that I've never said to anyone before ever. Mm-hmm. But it was an amazing uh, validation, and really cool how that unfolded but spirit often comes through things like that. I love those things.
0: Me too. I love things those- that, like just happened like yesterday yeah. or today. And you're like, I right. you really feel like they are, they are around you. The messages they, they hit differently. Right. Like, absolutely. Do you, cause I definitely feel like you lean, I don't know, you have a really good balance of like evidential, but messages as well. Do you lean yeah. more on one, one side or the other? Like, As a message medium or an evidential medium? I think
1: it's good to validate who is coming through, but then the messages that come through based on after, because once we establish who it is, what do they have to say? It's not just saying, oh, well, Aunt Bessie Sue says hi, you know, or, or, or whatever, whatever have you, or, or, you know, you know, Aunt Bessie Sue is with, you know, your aunt Jo. No, you, there needs to be more to this. And, and, I mean, the biggest message that I find that spirit, well, one, if you're carrying things, because every a lot of people carrying a lot of stuff in relation to losing someone, right? Mm-hmm. They're carrying emotional baggage that I didn't make it there in time. I, you know, I regret this, I regret that. So they will focus on those things because they, they see that you're not at peace or at harmony with losing them because of this, this, and this. So they'll go to those spaces often what they will do is just, I mean, if there's not a heaviness of any, they may go to the heaviness of a certain situation that you're, you haven't really dealt with and help. And then I will help you deal with it with their help. But then after that, it's like, Hey, they'll show me something or tell me something so that you know that they're, that they're with you, that they're around you, that they have seen this. And it's funny what they tell me. And, um, this is actually in season two of Spirit Talker, another kind of validation like this. Because I was being filmed for season two. It was in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Or was it season one? It was season one. Season one of Spirit Talker. I was in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, Acadia First Nation. And I connected to this mom who lost her daughter, who was a skinny, pretty girl, right? Very young. I could see that she's young. I felt that she had children. Anyway, she died at a very young age, and she looked like she lost a bit of weight until she had cancer, and she did say a name or two or something like this. And so, anyway, the mom's standing up, and and now this is where it gets really interesting because now that we've gotten connected to this person, she pops in an image in my head. And this is – I'm going to give you the image because this is the, the amazing things that I love. And it's it's a little odd because she takes off her shirt. <laughs> And she's standing in a bra, and then her bra grows I'm like, okay, what the hell does this mean? Here I am being filmed for the freaking TV show I've got this girl who's crying over the loss of her daughter and this girl is just taking her shirt off that's never happened takes her shirt off, showing her bra and showing me that her boobs just got bigger so I'm like I was really struggling with how to deliver this I don't know how to do this like I'm like, I'm struggling and you can see it. It's awkward for me. And I'm like, so how I start this, I is, man, I'm so sorry. I don't mean you any disrespect. I don't mean your daughter any disrespect, but you know, your daughter wants me to talk about this. I'm not sure why, but I have to do this and I'm going to do it in the best way that I can. Mm-hmm. And then I told her what had happened. And I said, she's emphasizing the bra and I don't know why. And she just laughed. And then two ladies jumped up up that were beside her. And it was this young lady's two sisters Mm -hmm. that were with mom who didn't stand up when I was talking to mom. And they go, holy shit, it's her. I'm like, see, I don't know what this means, right? And then it comes out during the show. And I said, um, her and the two sisters. And because back in the back room before the funeral, the mom and two daughters did something that nobody knows. Wow. They took her bra off and they put a different bra on her and they stuffed it. And they made a joke because she always said that she wished she had bigger bosoms. <laughs> and they said they're going to send her to the spirit world with a bigger set of hoo <laughs> uh, <laughs> <That's too funny. laughs> And they like, never told anyone. So in, it was a little joke that they had there, they, you know, and they, it was trying, they were trying to look for a way to lighten the moment of losing their sister, their daughter. And they did something because she'd always wished that she had bigger bosoms or whatever, have you. And so they said they were going to send her off to the spirit world with a much bigger set. And, uh, and so anyway, nobody knows, never told anybody the funeral is going on, you know, and, uh, you know, again, never told anybody. And then at, when, at the live session, that comes out.
0: Wow. Okay. Super validating for them, right?
1: Super validating. And okay.
0: I love when spirit comes through with like jokes or like some fun energy because they often come through with things that that would make the other person laugh. Because right. at the, end of the day it is sad to lose them, but they don't want them. They want to see them laugh. They want to see them and remember the good times that they shared.
1: Right. Absolutely. And I mean, there's still people. They still have joy, love. They're probably more joyful, more loving, more. Happy than they've ever been in the spirit world, and they don't. You know, they see that we are stuck in energy. Yeah. They see that we're struggling, and they try to help you move through that. But it's the validating messages of you know joyful or funny or what have you, or unique things that help you know that they're around and that they have humor. They're still who they are. They're not like some mime on the spirit world with no heart or emotion or, or 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 have any humor for God's sakes. They do. And they know even the moment of making the connection, validating the person, giving the message, and then using something like that, that shifted energy within the, the mom and two daughters. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? The mom, she, hasn't, she's, she told me after, she said she hasn't smiled since her daughter passed.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was the
1: first time that she laughed and smiled since she was gone. And she says she hasn't stopped. She even messaged me like a year or so later and just said, you know, I'm I'm still, I know my daughter's okay and I've never been happier and I'm still connected to her. And it's just, it changed her perspective of loss to, you know, one of connection.
0: I've been there before. I found going to mediums with losing my mom actually really helped me in my healing journey and just believing that she's not gone because I think that's the biggest part is that to kind of wrap our head around that they're gone. So when we can really feel like they are still here, I think that really helps me still to this every day that I go through, even in, yeah, to this day now.
1: Right. Well, that's good. I mean, I know that you, I'm sure you talk to your mom and include her and, you mm-hmm. know, communicate to her in a way that you, you, you know, make her part of your life and all that. So I know that she's really happy about that.
0: Thank you for saying that. So Do
1: you, do you have a jewelry of hers too that? Yes. <laughs> So I, I have to know. validate jewelry and I don't, I don't know why. So why is the jewelry so important?
0: Uh, It could be for two different people, but I do have a necklace of my mom's.
1: Yeah. Do you ever wear that? All the time. <laughs> right. I feel not right like,
0: now, but all the no,
1: time. But I mean, I think she, she I, because I don't see it on your neck. I think she just wants to say that she knows that you wear it and that you think of her when you do. And it's like, um, it's a special connection to you and her, she says.
0: Yeah, I just I'll just play with it sometimes, just like you know, fidgeting and it just feels like that connection. Or if I'm nervous for something, I'll hold
1: on to it, right? And 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 do you drive? Yeah, so you haven't had any troubles with your door yet, have you? Um, She's like, show me your car door, but it wouldn't close for some reason. It was like you slammed it, and it was like wouldn't shut or it was like stuck for some reason that you couldn't get it shut. It just like, you kept like close, close, close for whatever.
0: Um, well, my trunk, I have to like bang it down and then it pops up. Right. So okay. Really- so
1: it's not the door. It's the trunk. Yeah. Cause you show me your car and show me like shutting it, but it won't shut. And it's like, keep, you keep doing it like banging it over and over to get it to close or whatever. Right. Yeah. Cause she's like, she's emphasizing the closing, the closing, but it's not closing. It's like, the thing is not right. I think, again, she, they tell me abstract things to just let you know that they're with you and around you, that she sees that. But
0: That's funny. <laughs> yeah, that hasn't come through before. So <laughs> and it's it's annoying. I'm just like pushing it five times down. Just... I know.
1: She sees it. You might want to get that fixed. I think she's being a sarcastic. <laughs> she seems kind of like, uh, I mean, she's got a really good heart, but I know that she's very sarcastic, too. And she would just tell you like it is. And now uh, I have to ask something else in relation to your mom. Um, she didn't have any issues with her throat, did she?
0: Um, yes.
1: What was wrong with her throat then?
0: Well, she had um, a bunch of like tubes down her throat, but she wasn't able to speak.
1: I, but I also feel, I mean, the tubes caused some problems with like um, either her vocal cord or caused some issues where she wasn't able to communicate effectively. But I feel like some problems in my throat too that they were, it, it was just not, she wasn't super happy about it at all. Just so you know, uh, in relation to that. What I feel, I mean, because of all that, is that you don't feel like that you had to got you got to speak to her as much as you would have liked to, especially towards the end when she was going through all that. And uh, and there was a reason because of everything that was going on, and it, it, and she doesn't want you to hang on to that memory or that vision that you have of her in that moment because that's one that you you do carry, and you, so you kind of got to have to kind of surrender that and, and shift it to like happy things, happy thoughts, happy memories that you have with her. I know mean, she liked that much much better, so
0: yeah. Well, thank you for those
1: oh, yeah, you're the welcome.
0: memories of just um, when she wasn't able to speak. I would sing. I, would, I was young. So I would sing. I would dance. I would read books to her. And just I was like a six-year-old. So just jumping around the room, that makes sense for sure. So before we finish up, I just have one last question from one of the listeners. They were wanting to know your thoughts on negative and dark energies, whether you feel that they exist, and how to navigate them.
1: Well, Dark energies are just they're just people spirit. I mean, everybody's in different levels of energy, you can meet people in life that are going through hard times and, you know, lower level vibrational energy. It's just that they're not vibrating in a higher level of frequency, whether they're more earthbound, even in life, if they're physical, or they're in spirit, there is spirits that I've run into, they're just still people. And unfortunately, there's sometimes crappy people, there's sometimes some crappy spirits that are still just people, I don't believe in demons or anything like that. I just believe people that are just not good that are hanging around. And, and, um, you know, we're a light and I don't have any fear in relation to spirit at all ever. And I know that if they wanted to use me, my aura or my energy work in itself, that I could transition them if need be. Sometimes when I run into different spirits, they run because they know that I can do that. So they just avoid me like the plague. And then there's other spirits that think that they can scare me that are responding. <laughs> I'm like, you're working on the wrong guy here, buddy. And they usually just start talking normal at that point. But then uh, I would, you know, intentionally because, you know, our, our words are, you know, what we speak from our intellect and emotion from our heart and uh, our mind, what we speak has power. Hence why, you know, different faiths and religions have a belief system of holy water and things like that. So as an indigenous person, I typically will use uh, smudge smoke, and whatever culture you are in the world, you can use any medicines. So I would say honor your medicines in your culture, uh, and, and and honor the indigenous medicines for the indigenous people, but use your medicines. But it's what gives the medicines the power is your heart, your mind, those mm-hmm. words that you speak into your medicine when you smudge. And if you if you're allergic to smudge, use a smudge spray. I mean, Doctor Imoto did a great book on the power of words and intentions of water. And, um, you know, I would say, just make sure when you're, when utilizing the water, just spray or whatever that you speak unconditional, good, loving words.
0: Okay.
1: Anything that is of darkness may it be moved into light. May mm-hmm. it be love, holy and unconditionally. And that's all you have to say As you walk clockwise around the room with your smudge smoke and uh, you'll never have to worry about anything in relation to spirit in that way ever again. Because the spirits that see what you're doing, that don't want to move into the light, will move away from you.
0: Okay.
1: It'd be like going to a psychologist. I don't really want to hear them, so I'm just going to leave. <laughs> That's the same with spirit. So I don't believe in anything like dark, dark. I just feel like it's just a lower level of vibrational energy. And we, as spirit talkers, or people who are walking a spiritual path in life, have higher vibrational energy, and we can shift and move energy around us for ourselves, within people, with the work we do, but also for spirit. Because they're just people in just different form, in different spaces and places.
0: You feel that like if somebody's having like nightmares. I don't know why I have it in my mind that like maybe there's like an earthbound or a negative spirit around. That
1: sometimes I've I've had earthbounds connect to me in the dream world before. I've even like I've even had the experience where I felt like I fought or fight like something that is like sitting on me or holding me down or things like that. I've known them to be like type of earthbound spirits, but. Uh, Even in my dream world, I become conscious that I am the light and that the light is within me. And then as soon as I'm able to kind of breathe on to them or extend my aura to them, they they rapidly move from me and away from me or I move them into the light altogether. And I've done that even in my dream world. I've moved spirits into the light.
0: Wow. Okay. Thank you for being so generous with your time today. We're going to do a quick rapid fire. So first question what is your sun sign, moon sign, and rising sign?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> I know I'm a Gemini.
0: Oh, wait. I'm well, not that so- into
1: all that stuff that much, typically, but.
0: If you could incarnate as any animal, what would you choose and why?
1: That's a tough question. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I tell you, I carry two different spirit animal energy with me in life. And I'll show you because I have like uh, an eagle. I'd probably be the eagle. Uh, I do have a polar bear connection, the polar bear claw that I carry the medicine with that is deeply connected to me in life. But I would probably be the eagle.
0: Eagle. Okay. And why?
1: Well, because of my deep spiritual connection to the eagles. All the medicine that it offers are indigenous people. And the fact that they fly so high and, and, um, you know, pretty much higher than any other bird. They seem very graceful, elegant, powerful, and just magnificent and so much like spirit connected to them in so many great ways. And I think they know that because I actually literally had three eagles flying over my house here the other day, like two parents and a young one. And uh, I just watched them and they kind of circled over me for a little bit. I just uh, I just love them. I just, wherever they are, when I see them, I, may, I take a moment just to observe and, and um, you know, be mindful.
0: Mm. I love that. That's a great answer. Okay. Do you have a favorite crystal?
1: Uh, clear quartz.
0: Clear quartz. I don't know if you, do you typically work with crystals?
1: I work with all the chakra crystals. Yeah. Um, I like all, I mean, I like all the chakra stones, like any stone that correlates with the chakra system, but uh, the clear quartz is you can see, I don't know if you probably can't see it up there, but yeah. I have this massive clear quartz crystal pillar out of all the crystals, you know, the clear quartz is an amplifier of energy, of your intentions. You know, all the the, the chakra crystals, they have their own unique power that correlate and work with your chakra systems because they correlate with the specific colors as well. But that's more specific. The, the clear quartz will amplify your intentions with all your other crystals.
0: Okay, that's a good go-to crystal. Yeah. Okay, what is the best prank that you've ever played on somebody or somebody has <laughs> played on you?
1: Oh, my best prank. Yeah, this is a good one. Now, <laughs> you know, I my brother, my poor brother, I love him to death, but I used to tease the bejeebus at him growing up. I was always his big brother. And and then he actually lived with me for a while. And he still, even today, like fantasizes about winning the lottery. And he's always asking me for the numbers. I gave him some. He's still playing them. So hopefully they work out for him eventually. One Christmas, I bought a bunch of scratch tickets for him in his stocking, and I bought one joke one where you're gonna win ten thousand dollars. And I mixed it in and he scratched those tickets and he won ten thousand. You could have saw him, he jumped off the couch and he was like screaming and hollering. I was like, Oh my god, I said, did you win? Because yeah, I won like ten thousand dollars. And I and I'm laughing, and you know, and then I said, Did you read at the back? And then he read, he's like, This is not a real ticket, this is just a joke. And I'm like gotcha, buddy. And he, <laughs> it was horrible. But you know what? I said, Jamie, look at it this way. The greatest gift I could give you is win the lottery. And you for 10 minutes knew what it was like to win the lottery.
0: I bought those tickets too. I'm such a <laughs> person. <preacher. laughs> that's hilarious. Okay. Last question. Um, what is the last thing that you Googled?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, Robert Bigelow. Robert Bigelow, he's an aerospace engineer down in the U.S. And he actually, it's funny that you mentioned this because uh, he has an essay contest at which I'm going to submit. And it has to do with he's looking for people that can prove the afterlife. So I'm going to write an essay because I actually literally record people talking to me sometimes on my digital recorder or my phone or whatever. I have all kinds of recordings of people that have spoken to me over the years. I know they're around me. This is not my voices in my head. There's real people around me. You can't record, you know, voices in your head, for God's sakes. I'm going to submit something to his contest about, um, you know, proving spirits real.
0: Well, good luck on that. That's awesome.
1: Well, if not, I'll do it anyway, just for fun. Just
0: for fun. Yeah. Okay. I love this episode. Thank you so much. How can people find you? Where can people watch your show? Whether it's like a streaming website.
1: Spirit Talker. It's by Heyhost Publishing. I have an Oracle card deck called Wisdom of the Elders, which is very influenced by my culture as an Indigenous person. I have two Mi'kmaq artists that did the artwork Tracy Metallic and Aaron Gugu, who is a digital artist who has uh, you know, done some of the work for this. And that's coming out October 24th. Uh, where they can find the TV show is on APTN if you're in Canada. Uh, if you don't watch TV or have a, a um, most people don't have. TVD to stays for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. You can go to APTN Lumi, L-U-M-I, dot C A. And APTN has a streaming service that you can uh for the first week is free. And you can watch uh Spirit Talker. Season four is coming out on October 25th, I believe. And I'm starting the film season five on late November, and I'm going out your way at some point. I'm going to Alberta in November. And then I think in the new year, I'm going out towards BC. So Maybe we could have a, a coffee and a chit-chat or something like that while I'm out there.
0: Oh, I would love that.
1: If you're not in Canada, you can get a VPN and say you're in Canada. So if you're somewhere else and want to watch Spirit Talker in the world, get a VPN, say you're in Canada, go to aptnlumi.ca and you can get a binge-watch Spirit Talker for a week. Wonderful. My website is Sean, S-H-A-W-N, hyphen or middle line, Leonard, L-E-O, N-A-R-D dot com. And you can find all my social stuff on there and anything that's upcoming. You can sign up for my email list. And if you sign up for my email list, then you'll get you'll get uh, a five uh, tips, spiritual tips video, a free uh, spirit guide meditation, and anything that I have coming out in the future.
0: Beautiful. Um, are you currently offering private readings or any classes for people that are developing?
1: I don't do private readings anymore. I am going to do a reading for somebody in my course here right after I'm done. So I do make exceptions for certain people at different times, usually people who are taking my Spirit Talker Tribe online course. And that just launched. It's already started. It usually launches from September 7th to 30th every year. And it starts from October 1st and goes all the way to next September. But it launches every year. So if you're interested in learning about growing and developing your own intuition or psychic abilities, then uh, please check it out.
0: Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much. And it was so nice to meet you. Have a good day.
1: Okay. Have a good day. Thank you, everyone.